ever wanted to break out of your cubicle and into a business where you can call the shots? You Break Guy Fix is looking for passionate self-starters interested in a franchise opportunity in the booming electronics repair industry. At You Break Guy Fix, we help reconnect people to the devices that they rely on so that they can get back to what matters most. This is a big responsibility. And from the moment you join our family, our franchisees are provided with the resources and support to bring affordable and convenient electronics repair to your community. Did we mention that with amazing partners like Samsung and Google, you Break iFix franchisees also have access to the highest quality parts and personalized training out there, as well as specialized tools. It's true. And it's also easy to visit youbreakifix.com forward slash franchising and learn more about your big break at your very own You Break iFix. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, DJ Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the PGA Championship. Thank God the majors are back. It's been so long since we've had a major, over 12 months. As usual, I am here with everyone's favorite Canadian, the Canadian Pitbull, Tyler Tambolee. Tyler, how are you doing this week? I'm just excited you are, Kenny. This is perfect. You got your mic back and working all set. You know, I've got a lot... A lot I had to deal with with some computer problems, but I got them all back up and running, ready to go, hoping there's no issues with this podcast because, like you said, last week, now this week with me, but I'm more, more than excited. We just had another great event going back now. And like you said, major golf. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what we do what we do for. You know, I, can't, I couldn't be more excited to get back into it. That sounds good, man. As usual, the pod is powered by Roto-Grinders. Tyler, tell them about some Roto-Grinders today. Yeah, but like you said, presented by Roto-Grinders. Head on over there, rotogrinders.com slash dgen. Get yourself 10 bucks off the first month or 50 bucks off the first year. You get all access to the PG to the premium core. So you get a, a bunch of different stuff, right? As far as all the different sports that are concerned, there is a specialist package that you can get now. And then they have specialist packages with things like NASCAR and stuff. But for all the golf stuff, myself, Notorious, STL cards, all the new guys we brought on, lots of different shows I'm doing over there weekly. You guys just want to check it out. Rotogrinders.com slash DGen. And we'll remind you again at the end of the show. 
All right, that sounds good. Let's do a quick recap of last week. I mean, that was a great event. Uh, it came down to the wire with Justin Thomas and Brooks Kepka. I had JT 12 to 1 as one of my bets on the podcast. That worked out pretty damn well. Had him as one of my cash game cornerstones also. Uh, he definitely got lucky. Uh, I mean, uh, well, the shot on 16 that hit the card path, which should have went in the water and, and left him like a 60-yard chip. And then on 17, he clips the bottom of a tree branch. And that ball could have went anywhere, but it left him with a decent angle, a decent shot. But the thing is, when you get lucky like that, you have to convert, you know? And that is what Justin Thomas did. That's why he's a great golfer. When he catches those breaks, you know, he 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 took advantage of them. Birdie both those holes, you know, and then Brooks made that bomb on 17. I, th- I was I thought I was home free, right? And then Brooks made that 45 foot bomb on 17 that got me scared. I had already like typed out like my tweet for promoting myself for the week with like all the bets <laughs> that I won and how good I did in cash and all this shit. And I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna have to delete this. This is not gonna be good. And then of course Brooks. Hits it in the water on 18. Shockingly, hits it in the water on 18. Uh, gets double and barely keeps second place. Uh, but JT with a great win. Some other wild stuff happened. I mean, did you see the guy on the European tour who actually rode a boat to get yeah. to his ball to hit on an island? I mean, that was wild. What did you think of this past week? Yeah, there was also there was a uh, fire antils out there this week as well, oh, Kenny. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. you know the, there was a lot going on. But I, I'll tell you what, this was one of the most frustrating weeks for me. You know, tilt wise, if you everything you just talked about, just to recap quickly. But I obviously, like many others, had the Brooks thirty-three to one ticket, so I'm feeling good about that. I also had, if you remember from the pod last week, the Ches Revi one forty to one each way top five. He bogeys from five feet. On 18. So that was the start of the downhill. (laughs) Then this stuff with Brooks. And like you said, good for JT. I mentioned a couple weeks back, like I said, he's the silent assassin. Absolutely loved the dude. Uh, You know, my guy Ricky was behind him, still playing. And him and Todd both had the worst day of all time. And it's just classic to see that, you know, he thought he's in the mix to get a win. And then his boy JT goes and actually gets another one. If you remember back to the Honda, when JT got that break off the rocks, pops up on the green, Luke List thought he had it. And then JT takes him in the playoff another time where he got lucky and converted. But you know the saying, got to be lucky to be good, rather be good than lucky, whatever the exact wording is. JT certainly has it with the skills to go with it. We're definitely going to talk about him for this week as well. But, you know, in the end, there was that. And then, you know, uh, uh, Mega Q, I got second in it to my old nemesis, E. Hafner. So, you know, I blew out third place, which happened to be uh, Millie Maker, our boy, Nate Knox. He came in third in this qualifier. I've got him beat by 30 points in the queue for second. And all of a sudden, E. Hafner just happens to have the nuts for like 12 points more. So that sucked. And then my boy, Matthias Schwab, who I talked about on the pod last week. And it's a little bit of a pity party. I don't, I don't care, though. I'm mad. So I had, you know, Brandon Grace withdraw. He was in, that's some crazy shit that happened last week. He's second in the tournament after two rounds, gets COVID and has to withdraw from the Barracuda. So he's one of my picks, 55 to one with the each way. And then I got Schwab who basically has the same sort of thing happen. Uh, gets it down to the wire. Like Brooks had it goes away. I ended up getting the each way on him for 45 to one big each way top five, but man, it could have just been one hell of a week. And it turned out to be one of the most frustrating weeks of all time for sweats and the way they played out. So hoping that I'm saving it this week for the mega million, I'm playing it regardless. Uh, and that's gonna be fun. I normally don't build one super strong, expensive lineup like that, but that's where a lot of my stuff will be focused this week. Yeah, it was my best week since the restart. So, uh, I mean, my cash game cornerstones finished first, sixth, sixth, and 16th. I guess I needed a no-cut event 
to finally get my cash game cornerstones <laughs> going. So we'll see how it goes this week with a cut. Uh, and what that cut is, I'm still trying to figure out. We'll, we'll get into that here in a little bit. Um, and, and also the bets, I hit JT uh, 12 to 1. That was on the podcast. That was also in my article. I hit uh, Ches Revy as my favorite bet in my article. Uh, top 20, I think it was plus 300. Uh, so it was a really solid week. The only issue was GPPs. I thought I could have done better. Like of the 11 golfers that finished in the top 10, I rostered nine of them. And I think my highest GPP was like 450th. At one point with like three or four holes left, I had, I had like nine of the, or I had like 11 of the 13 golfers in the top 10 at that time. And I was, wasn't even in the top thousand in most GPPs. Now, it, when it came down to the wire, I moved up uh, a little bit, but still, uh, it was just an average week for GPPs. I didn't even break even on it, but it's still a winning week uh, because of the cash lineup hitting and it hit pretty easily well in the top 5% of all uh, cash games, all double ups that I played. So I'm hoping to ride that momentum finally. I mean, a lot of the times, if you see my cash game cornerstones and how I've done it the years before, a lot of it's done on momentum. Like I've, I, I'll go on these hot streaks. Uh, I haven't had a cold streak like I've had the last since the restart, but hopefully this is the start of another um, hot streak for me. And we'll definitely see how that goes. All right. Before we get into this week, let's talk about the listener league here. And of course I am not prepared because I have been busy as hell all day at work, but here we go. The listener league this past week, the winner was NW cat 1981. I actually got a, um, a, um, a DM from him on Twitter. This is actually the second time, the multiple winner. Uh, his name is, uh, let's see, uh, Kevin Taylor. Uh, he won actually the PGA Championship Listener League two years ago uh, when Brooks Kepka won. So this is his second win. Good for him. His art, his uh, lineup was Justin Thomas, uh, who came in first, of course. Uh, and he was oh, hold on, he was twenty seven point four percent owned. Kepka, so he went two big dogs up top, um, one hundred six point five points, twelve point one six percent owned. Patrick Reed. Uh, who finished in 47th, 28.8% owned. Jason Day, who's on a little bit of a heater, somebody we should pay attention to this week, uh, 96.5 points, sixth place, 6% owned. Philly Mick, a guy we both talked about last week that we liked in these no-cut events, he came through. One of the oldest uh, top fives ever in a WGC event. He came in second, 8.48%. And Benny On, who him and Ricky and Brendan Todd, all faltered on Sunday, but still a solid finish, I guess. Even though, like, he was one off the lead going into Sunday, he ended up finishing 12th, 4.4% owned. Campbell, what do you think of the lineup? Yeah, a lot of thoughts there. You just mentioned, I mean, obviously those three being in the end, you could see it easily where they could fall off. So that came into play for, you know, round four showdown for anyone who was in the in on the mixer. I didn't get much in. Like I said, I had some issues here. So, uh, you know, bottom line, look at the lineup. Like I said, so Phil Mickelson back into the world top 50 actually said before the event that if he didn't get into the WGC, he was going to go play his first champions event. So that's kind of cool to see over 50 in the top 50 again. So uh, Jason Daly, like a little bit of a heater. I hope he brings a heater for his back this week because it looks like it's going to get chilly. And we're going to talk about that for another big name that we're going to get to obviously with Tiger Woods, no spoiler alert there. Uh, and then, like you said, the couple of the other things here. So I'm, I'm guessing with the listener league, 
ownership on Patrick Reed. It might have been myself swaying them with, with Narrative Street there with the Brooks thing, and it definitely did not pay off. He did not come to play. Certainly hurt me in that sense with, you know, an $8,800 Patrick Reed coming T47. But rest of the lineup was money. Had the right two guys pegged at the top. Another thing that was interesting for last week was just overall seeing it with the construction was you could have got there different ways. This obviously got there and won by a point and a half, but more 6K guys than not were way up in the top, right? And we really, at the, tar- at the start of the week, we're thinking like maybe two's enough. Two ended up being enough here with, with Mickelson and Ann, but it was a, there was a lot of 6K guys. Louie, Lowry, you know, Bazudenhout. There, there was a bunch of guys that ended up making their way up to the top in that 6k range. So, you know, Revy was another, there was just so many of them that you could have put together almost the opposite of the week before where there was only a couple 10k guys that got through. And so you had those lineups that had to be that certain way. It was the opposite this week where obviously you need a JT and Brooks, but then there was all kinds of guys like there was 6k guys that outscored Reed and could have just had a bunch of money left on the table. So overall great lineup for NWK cat 1981. Uh, We'll see him in the three man. Congrats again on the second win and you're getting you know a little bit of momentum for yourself going back into the pga championship here so excited to see you there i know you already joined the final listener league that's going to be the finale at the end of the year with the prizes and whatnot but we'll see you this week in the three man congrats all right that sounds good i actually ended up uh, texting Gup at like wednesday evening talking about how i love the 6k range like i liked the 6k range last week after doing a bit more digging uh you know tuesday and wednesday just looking at everything I mean, that 6K range I thought was incredibly strong. I liked it more in the 7K range uh, personally last week. But, you know, it, it worked out. I could have been wrong, but it ended up we'll see. Out. We'll see how you like it this week, Kenny. We'll see yeah, how you like it, it this week. We'll see about this week. I don't know about this week. This week's a little bit different. Uh, yeah. Now, let's get – it's not a WGC event. It's not a no-cut event. So there's definitely some differences uh, this week. So let's talk about uh, this week. It, so it's been over a year uh, since the last major on tour. And finally, the t- 2020 PGA Championship from TPC Harding Park is upon us. As usual for this event, the field is stacked with around 95 or so of the top 100 golfers in the world teeing it up this week for the Wanamaker Trophy. There are 156 golfers in the field with top 65 or top 70 in ties making it to the weekend. The PGA of America website, I got this from uh, Fut- at Future Fantasy, Josh Colt. Uh, he posted this on Twitter. The, the, the PGA Tour, the, not the PGA Tour, the PGA of America website has the cut still at top 70 and ties. I'm not sure if that's an error or that's what they're really doing. Uh, the PGA Tour and the PGA of America are different entities, so it's entirely possible that the PGA of America will go against the new PGA Tour cut rule and stick with the top 70 and ties. Tyler, did you hear anything about this? Because I saw I, the same. I, yeah, no, I saw the same thing you saw, and I saw him look for clarification on it. Like you say, I always follow what Culp's doing on there, and try to to see if I can find anything else out. And there was nothing as of yet that I've seen. So hopefully, someone get, gets back to him and they know. But bottom, I mean, is what it is. We we want to know. We want to provide you guys with the best information possible. But just keep an eye on Twitter. That's why you need notifications. You need to get on there, follow us, and and have that information as it comes out. But bottom line is, it's still going to be extremely hard to get six out of six through the cut for what we're talking about DFS purposes. Why that matters. Uh, now it does make a difference. I mean, there's been a, f- especially with my cash game cornerstones during this, during this, uh, since the restart, there's been a few weeks where, you know, I've had guys miss the cut on a number and finish like 68th. You know what I'm saying? And so this is sort of a big deal. I mean, like I remember a few weeks back, uh, I had the, the cut was like 68. Uh, I, I had, I had a bunch of golfers, a yeah. couple of golfers missed the cut on the number and there were six, sure. there was about 12 or 14 golfers there that's that's anywhere between around eight to ten percent of the field 
I, I'm just saying. We, I'm just. My point is, we we don't see weeks with twenty percent six out of six anymore. So oh, no, fi- no, figure yeah. it out. And if, if that, we're all going to be sweating dudes on the cut line, no doubt. Yeah, but yeah. It, it is what it is, and we'll get the proper information. I'm saying you're right. We we really don't have the information right now. So once we know it, I mean, it's weird. It's definitely interesting because maybe they are going against the grain. But you know, and hopefully for our sake, like you said, the more we can get, the better. But then you can also see what we used to see, and that's what pissed me off. Why I love when the MDF went away is weeks were like 90 guys get through because it's that and all the guys that go with it you end up with a bunch of people at like a minus one cut line or in this week could be a plus three cut who, who knows right and you you get a bunch of guys on these lines right on the line and then you end up with a bunch of people that are playing the weekend no matter what so i just hope we don't have that yeah we'll, we'll see how it goes i mean check both of our content and our twitter feeds uh later on this week when we actually figure out if that's legit or not uh, now, one thing you can do is you can probably eliminate all the PGA professionals and older former champions in the field. So realistically, your player pool will come from around 130 to 135 golfers. Uh, now, like I said, when I get the actual numbers, uh, I will update that uh, on either Twitter or on my article. Uh, this is the first major hosted at Harding Park, but there have been a couple of events played here over the years, including the 2005 WGC Amex Championship, uh, 2009 President's Cup, 2010-11-13 Charles Schwab Cup, uh, which is on the Senior Tour, and the 2015 WGC Match Play. Now, one interesting note about the match play uh, that was held here in 2015, 11 of the 16 golfers that have been advanced past the round-robin stage were foreign-born, and five of the eight golfers to reach the quarterfinals were from the United Kingdom. Now, this probably has you know very little meaning since it's match play, but I did find it interesting uh, nonetheless. Now, with the event being held in Northern California, weather will definitely be a factor. The forecast calls, like Tambo said earlier, for temperatures in the high 60s with little or no chance of rain. With the cooler temperatures, thicker coastal air, and the course being right at sea level, it is possible that golfers will lose anywhere between 5 and 15 yards on their drives and irons. Now, we're used to seeing balls fly farther uh, in these summer months on tour, but this will not be the case this week. The lack of rain here puts the course set up in the hands of Kerry Hay uh, and the PGA of America. Kerry Hay is the, is the main superintendent for the, for the PGA of America. He sets up the courses for the PGA Championship every year. Now, if they don't water the course, it's very possible that we see extremely firm greens and fairways. Now, traditionally, the PGA of America doesn't want the setup like a U.S. Open, but there have been instances the last few years where the PGA Championship setup has been extremely difficult. Keep an eye on all the pre-event, new, pre-event news to see how firm these greens are going to be. The wind looks like it could be an issue this week with like around 15-mile-per-hour winds, 10 to 15 steady, and possible 25-mile-per-hour gusts in the forecast. Now, this is pretty normal in this area of the country and could be a reason why so many from across the pond had success here in 2015. But like every week, the forecast can change. So make sure you keep an eye on the weather updates before lock. Now, there are some decent trends uh, that you can go about, trends, narratives, whatever you want to call them. So here's a few of them. Um, so the old adage that the cream rises to the top at majors has definitely been true recently. In the last 23 majors played, 20 winners were inside the top 25 in the world golf rankings the week prior to their major win. 16 of these 23 winners were inside the top 15, and 11 of these 23 winners were inside the top 10 in the world golf rankings the week prior to their win. The only three major winners outside the top 25 in the world golf rankings 
at the time of their PGA Championship win, uh, or no, I'm sorry, at the time of their last major win in the last 23 majors was Keimer. He was 28th at the 2014 U.S. Open. Jimmy Walker was 48th at the 2016 PGA Championship. And Shane Lowry was 33rd at last year's Open Championship. Now, 16 of the last 19 PGA Championship winners won an event during the season prior to their win. Also, the prior week form has been a strong indicator of success at this major. Since 2006, 12 of the 14 PGA Championship winners finished top 20 the week prior to their win. Half of these winners finished top five the week before their win. Now, lastly, seven of the last 11 PGA Championship winners were first-time major winners. Now, let's get to the course. TPC Harding Park is a 7,240-ish, 40-yard-ish par 70. Now, while that doesn't seem too long, there have been some rumblings that they could move some tee boxes back, which could stretch the course out to around 7,400 yards. Now, for comparison, Beth Page Black, which hosted last year's PGA, was a touch over 7,400 yards, as was considered one of the longest par 70s in PGA Championship history. Since this is the first time this course has hosted an event of this magnitude, there will be some unknowns like this heading into the event. Keep an eye on the golf media, uh, golf channel, Twitter, and whatever you can do to get your golf news for updates up until off. Now, as with most par 70 courses, there are four par 3s, 12 par 4s, and only two par 5s. Two of the par threes will be between 170 and 190 yards. One will be right around 200. And the par three eighth hole will be a daunting 250-plus yards long with the wind most likely in the golfer's face. There are three par fours under 400 yards, and two will be possible driver par fours, maybe three if you're Bryson DeChambeau. But these are also the holes that could be played farther back to add more distance to the course. There are only two par fours in the 400 to 450 yard range, and a whopping six par fours will be in the 450 to 500 yard range. Plus, the par four ninth will be the longest par four on the course at 515 yards. Now, when it comes to the par fives, the fourth hole will be over 600 yards, and the par five tenth will be around 565. With half the holes over 450 yards, you will see a lot of mid-iron approaches like 175 and above uh, to the green this week. Off the tee, golfers will see extremely narrow fairways which range from 22 to 30 yards wide. Cypress trees line the fairways, but they're a little bit of a ways away from the edge of the fairway and will only be in play when golfers miss the fairway by around 8 yards or more. Fairway bunkers will be prevalent, but there isn't much water on this course like we saw last week. The main defense of the course off the tee will be thick four-plus-inch Kentucky bluegrass rough. If the greens are extremely firm, it'll be tough to hold these greens from the rough unless the golfer is using a short iron. Now, this is where I think bombers and golfers with the high ball flights might have an advantage. And, now, and you can't count out accurate golfers off the tee with strong mid-to-long iron play. On approaches, golfers will see average to above average size greens with bunkers and once again thick rough surrounding them. The greens are relatively flat, but that doesn't mean golfers will have an easy go of it with a putter. There are many subtle breaks that golfers may not see, and because of the lack of undulation, Carrie Hay could make these greens lightning fast. 
The greens are primarily bent grass, but there is word that some POA has invaded the already grainy greens. This isn't Augusta-type bent. There's going to be some bumpiness, especially in the afternoon. As I said before, this course definitely has unknowns uh, about it. So, if, you know, if, if I get more information, if Tamil gets more information, we'll add it to our respective, you know, work that we do during the week. Tambo, what are you looking for in golfers this week? Yeah, that's why I love our dynamic chemistry, whatever you want to call it, because you bring the trends. You know, I'm going to bring the narratives. You got the core stuff. We're already thinking on the same page. And one thing I'll bring right quick, just to, that you had right there that you were talking about, is, you know, some of the golf media stuff. Like I said, there's a lot of good golf media guys out there now on Twitter. And one of them, you know, I follow Daniel Rappaport, Daniel underscore Rappaport. He just put out a tweet recently, uh, as basically as we're recording this, and it says, first impressions of Harding Park, because he's there. Forget any yardages. 7,200 yards here is 7,600 plus anywhere else. Cold, breezy, feels like March. He says, rough is brutal, like unplayable, and it's only Monday. The whole field will have to hit a lot of drivers because there'll be no roll at all. Greens look mint, basically is what he's saying. So thumbs up on the greens. But, you know, I also saw what you, to the point you mentioned about the firmer greens. So we're going to get some bouncing on them. And again, that's, if that's happening on a Thursday, imagine a Sunday. There's not much it can do. So uh, very interesting, you know, to look at. As far as the tournament goes, I'm looking at very similar things. You know, those things are going to be brought in and factors that we do, like you said, throughout our work over the week. But just up front, you know, ball strikers all around, long irons, greens and regulation because of that thick rough. The rough, it looks just crazy that, you know, they're going to have to hit it out of. And then also just the, you know, all around golfer, as far as strength of field goes, major results, how they do in these types of events. You can't compare all the courses. They're not all the same. You brought out some great trends, but the bottom line is that, you know, these fields are strong. These courses are tough. The best of the best come through. We have to make the decisions based around, and we'll talk about some pivots and plays and things like that throughout on what, where we want to go with our lineups and what we want to do with some of these plays at certain prices. All right, that sounds good. Let's get to these tiers. From 10K and up, I'm going to go ahead and start this week because I'm doing something a little bit different. Uh, my first cash game cornerstone, Justin Thomas at $11,300. I never go this high. I never roster a cash game cornerstone as the highest priced golfer in the field. The reason I'm doing this this week is, you know, outside of JT Brooks and maybe Rom, I don't trust anybody in this nine to 10 K range in cash this week. Everybody has question marks. Rory can't hit an approach shot. Bryson, who knows what the hell he's thinking up here. Good week, bad week. He's so variant because of the way he plays his game. Xander, been playing well but relying on short game and putting when his strengths are usually his approaches and he really hasn't been that great with his approaches i mean last week he wasn't that great at all webb new caddy uh paul tessori out with back injury you know and it sort of messed with him especially uh from what joshua perry was saying on twitter paul reads most of his putts for Webb Simpson, uh, you know, and and the, the thing about it is it would almost be easier if there was massive undulation, you know, uh, in here to read these putts. But the greens are so subtle. There's so many little subtle breaks, right edge. The thing is, like, reading about this course, like, you can see it right edge and your caddy can see it left edge. That's how undistinguishable the breaks are on this course. You look at Patrick Cantley, that was a maybe also, but I just didn't believe in him. Tiger, cold weather, you know what I'm saying? With his back, you're not sure. Dustin Johnson, 
good week last week, but he was coming off three straight, almost three straight 80s. There's so many question marks in this 9K and up range that I'm going with the one guy that I'm not questioning this week. And I'm going with Justin Thomas up top for my cash game cornerstones. I never do this, but I'm doing it this week. You know, he, he was big for me last week. We're riding him again this week for my first cash game cornerstone. And like I said, I will play Brooks and I will play John Rom. I think Rom might get a little bit overlooked uh, because of the way he did it. But then you got to remember, he finished with a 66, uh, I think, on Sunday. Got his game a little bit back. Uh, maybe the being number one in the world got into his head uh, just a little bit. Uh, I don't know exactly the reason why he started off so poor. But those are the three guys that I'm rostering. Um, I'm fading Xander, who I think will be popular. Now, I will hedge that by betting him. He is in my betting card. Uh, but that's how I'm going to go in this 10K range. Tambo, what you got? Yeah, it's hard not to like JT at the top. Like you said, that would just be too easy for me to say pivot off of, you know, Brick Brooks. So you can definitely play both and mix and match if that's who you think is really going to get it done at this course. But for me, it's challenging when you get the, you know, super increase, almost 2000 bucks in Brooks. And you got JT right there. I just, it's, if you're going to take a stand and play a guy, you, you're even playing him in cash. I just, I can't get past that. So I really like JT. Always like Rory, especially now at 10-7 and people seem to be off him. My pivot would be, and first of the week is going to be there. And like I said, I think it goes overlooked too. People still want to play Bryson. People still like Bryson at their you know number they got him for majors and betting him. And you know now he's 10-3. It's kind of a little bit better price and all that that's there. And they'll think he'll be overlooked, whatever it might be. But I still like Rom. Bottom line is, you know, Bryson won the Detroit Rocket Mortgage Classic by one, and arguably Wolf still could have won that. He had his you know number one putter on the week or top three at the end of it, but number one after the first couple of rounds, all of that. John Rahm blew the field out at the Memorial. Much stronger field, much tougher course. Blew him out by five, three because of the stupid penalty that we've already went in on. So for me, I'm still going to have to play Rahm over Bryson there. Uh, you know, I get people's love for Bryson long-term. I'm there with you. But right now, it's Rahm for me at 10-5. And then I will play Xander. You mentioned it's a little scary that he's up and down with his irons right now. But last week, you know, everyone's seen this stat probably already. Or if they haven't, we're here to bring it. Is that this, besides the snowman, it was an incredible week for him, right? If he didn't have that snowman, he was right there in the mix. So again, you have to alleviate that stuff. You can't have that snowman or else it's a woulda, shoulda, coulda, who cares? But the bottom line is at, at 10K and like, if you don't like him, I don't know if, if there's other people that are going to have that same sentiment or, or maybe they will or won't. I, I still think Xander's a fine play there right at 10K. And I'm not in on, you know, some of the other guys you mentioned like Webb below as we get into the next range. Yeah, I mean, the issue I have with Xander is losing almost six strokes of his approaches last week. Now, could he bounce back from that easy? And gaining six strokes around the green, which is not one of his strengths. Um, now, could that change this week? Of course it can. I mean, he is a local kid. He's from California. Uh, he knows how to play these types of greens. Uh, that's why I'm going to bet him. <laughs> the rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. Right. Yeah. That's why I'm going I'm to hedge, and that's why I'm going to bet him. But I'm, I, I think he's going to be extremely high-owned, especially at that price especially with his sixth-place finish last week. So I will go ahead and fade him in DFS. All right, let's move to the 9K range. Tambo, go ahead. Yeah, one other thing on that, too. Uh, so there's going to be uh, some Cali, narr Cali narratives that come up. You got something? No, no, go ahead. 
Okay, I was just gonna say, yeah, the Kelly narrative is one point two that you just brought up. And I think that could be something that makes him popular. I don't necessarily love him for my main lineup, like you just kind of stated. Like I also don't love his betting number. I get what it is and why, but it's like you said for DFS, I'm either gonna go up to some of these big dogs or I'm gonna start below, and then the you know the obvious plays will come up here. I do like Cantlay. I think you know again another this guy last couple of weeks out a couple of bad rounds and super slow starts, but he's still scoring. He's still getting in the mix. Again, another Cali kid who you just talked about that narrative. So he's a little bit cheaper than Xander, and you can even start your lineups with him, in my opinion. So I definitely like Cantley at 9,400. Not as big on Tiger, like you mentioned. DJ straight at 9K is the other guy I like. And whether he's popular or not, I'm, I'm unsure at the moment, but I'll give him a, a, a pass as far as those 80s and 78 goes. He brought it back again last week. He showed he was right there in the mix with Brooks. And now Brooks is now almost 2,000 bucks more expensive. So uh, you know, for me, or he is 2,100 more actually 11 one. So yeah, for me, DJ at nine K, I'm still going to go back to him and be fine with him there. And that really does round out the nine K range. Cause there's only four guys there this week. Yeah. I'm playing DJ. That's the one guy I'm definitely going to play. Canley's a maybe for me. I still haven't decided. It depends on how my builds go, uh, but playing, you know, the thing about it is JT is going to be my cash game cornerstone. So that means I will be light on him. Uh, I probably won't go more than 20% on him. Uh, so, you know, I'll have Kepka, I'll have Rom. So I might have room for Cantley. Uh, we'll see how it goes when I build. Because, I mean, the thing about him is, that, you know, fat last 50 rounds, iron game is strong. You know, really good tee to green. He's pretty decent uh, around the greens as well. And, he had, you know, he's long enough for this course. So he's someone that I'm looking at. But Dustin Johnson is the one guy I'm definitely playing in this 9K range. Now, the 8K range, I like quite a few of these guys. Uh, I don't think you could go against Daniel Berger. I mean, when it comes to par 70 courses, he's one of the better golfers out there. Uh, the form that he's been on has been really, I mean, it's been incredible. And especially he has become a Sunday warrior. Uh, I think in the last six or seven Sundays he's played, he's broken 60 by a good amount each time. The guy is just coming through. He ranks number one in my model in the last 24 rounds. Great. Oh, he's been really good on long par fours. The best in the field in the last 24 rounds in proximity from 200 plus. Uh, so I really like him, but I'm going to go Morikawa as my cash game cornerstone, my second cash game cornerstone. This guy just hits fairways really good. Uh, you know, he hits, he hits a lot. His iron game is spectacular. And he's also fifth in the field in fairways gained in the last 24 rounds. So this is what you're going to need on this course, a guy that hits a lot of fairways and a great iron player. And Morikawa just fits the bill really good from 175 to 200 yards. You're going to see a lot of approach shots from that range. So uh, and another California kid, am I correct? Right. He's, right. he's from that area. So I'm going burger as my favorite GPP play. One of my favorite GPP plays in this range. Morikawa is my second cash game cornerstone. My 1B GPP play is Jason Day at um, $8,400. Now, the thing about Day is he hits the ball extremely high. One of the higher ball flights on the PGA Tour. This is going to be very, very helpful on the course if the greens are incredibly firm like they say they're going to be. So this is the one guy, his game has been trending upwards, I think, three top 15s in a row or something like that. I mean, the guy's sort of back 
and I'm just back. Yeah, there you go. Quote, <laughs> there you unquote, go. Back. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see about that in this cold weather. That's why it's a little bit risky. But I like Day, and I also like Fitzpatrick down below on a tough course, par 70 course. I think he can do pretty well. Again, another guy who hits a ton of fairways, who's really good at par fours. So I will take Fitzpatrick. I, will, I like a lot of these guys in this range. Who do you like? Yeah, my second pivot would be, you know, if we get a popular burger, which it looks like it's happening, here's what I'll, I'll open it up with this is, you know, classic major situation. I bring this up almost every major when we do this is that you can definitely play both. You could put them both in the same lineup, burger, more cow. And we're going to talk about more cow more in a second to what you've already talked about, but you know, might bring, bring the tidbits in, but with burger, when anytime it seems like he's going to get popular, I just, it's not going to sit well with me. I know why, like all the stats you mentioned, all those factors, but for me, it's Morikawa. So where I'm talking about here, where they both could be popular, I'm still going to take an overweight stance on Morikawa and underweight, or if, if not, if you could just fade burger, if I'm talking a main lineup. So uh, with Morikawa, the one other thing that you didn't bring up, and I thought you might, you're going to steal my thunder for a second, but I got two reasons to bring it up. One, it's a cool stat. People, you know, a cool narrative, I should say, but you know, the, the Cal, the Cal narrative is that, you know, he's actually played there a bunch of times. He's played Harding Park a bunch of times. In 2018, they played the, it's called the Goodwin there very similar setup not to a major but to the you know the length and all these factors he got t5 in the individual and then he says you know i've seen the course plenty he said look i haven't seen it as a major setup but i'm going to know the sight lines off the tee i'm going to feel very comfortable there all of that behind him in my opinion he's almost like a 1400 cheaper xander for that reason so if you can't fit xander or if you have question marks with xander all the stats you mentioned you go down to it and then the other reason I had to bring it up is because you know who won the 2018 individual event there with a minus 15 when the next closest was minus nine, Kenny? Do you have any idea? I read it, but I goes, forgot. Goes, goes to Oregon. Got to have a chance to bring up my boy Panda, Norman Zong. So oh, yeah, he, that's he right. Actually, that's right. he shipped it that year when Morikawa came T5. So I just thought that was a, a little interesting tidbit. But obviously the fact that he's seen the course, knows it quite well, said at least 10 to 15 times, been out there, nothing really since the restart, but knows the area, knows the course knows the setup, and then he's not an idiot. He's a very good player, right? So you look at, you know, the the Schwab, X almost won, but so did Morikawa. In the end, Berger pulled it off. But again, that's a way you could pivot. I'm just going with Morikawa, the long-term upside of him, all those factors. And then Morikawa, the thing that put me over the top, and not just for all the stuff we talked about with him, but the long-term of down three with three to play against JT, down to a 50-footer in the first hole playoffs, still makes a 27-footer, closes him out. And the guy that we're talking about that just won and we know fits well here, why couldn't you put those two together again or something like that as you are in your cash game cornerstone? So I think that's a great play. Day, the back does worry me, not just because of the cold weather, but as much as it's been going on, he is still looking very ginger. If you're actually watching the events, you know, ha- you know, watch, watch uh, him pick the ball out of the hole. It, he is still looking quite ginger. And it, I don't know if it's how true it is. It seems true. He seems pretty honest about it, but it does seem a little bit risky as far as putting them into something big money or anything like that. And by all means, if that's your, you know, risk appetite and you want to go with it, I understand why, I, you know, we're touting apex height now. Kenny's bringing up the, the apex site with Jason. <laughs> that'll be, that'll get made fun of. I know it, but Hey, I, I get what you're saying, right? I understand it coming in. You want those balls to drop how he's been playing. It works out. So, you know, the only other guys here, I like, uh, you know, the two that I really like, you mentioned Fitzpatrick just coming in so solid and Hatton just seems wrong price for what we've seen coming out of him and just how good he's been playing and the upside and all around player and everything that goes with it. But Matsuyama at 8,200, eh, I don't know, man. It's right in my wheelhouse of where I want to play him money wise, but he just hasn't done anything to impress me lately. 
He feels like the guy that even if he was there on Sunday, it would be like a Brendan Todd, Ricky Fowler situation where he could just give it back. And there's just so many good names that are going to be up there when the cream rises to the top. So uh, not as high on him, but I, I'd put him in the pool for GPPs. That, that's sort of how I round out the AK range over here. All right, go ahead to the 7K range, Tambo. Yeah, at the top first, uh, you know, or sorry, I shouldn't say first, but my, my last T3BO comes with the first guy here at 7,900. Uh, and I just think, you know, Finau is so cheap that people will still want to play him, but I'm going to, I got to go against my boy here and go with the other guy that won me a lot of money last year, Woodland at the U S open. You know, he's got second to Rory when they played this course in 2015 in the match play different setup, but for the most part, you know, a stronger setup as well as the fact that it was a tougher court, you know, just tougher field, all that he's up against all makes sense when it comes down to that. Uh, And then also the winner of the U S open at Pebble beach, you know, another spot that you, you, a lot of the same stuff's going to come about. Uh, I like him much more than I like a Finau at 7,900. So I'll take Woodland with the stand. Again, you can obviously use both, but my stand would be to go overweight on Woodland. I'll back that up. And then, uh, you know, Scott is there. He's another bit of a risky play. I guess the interesting part with Scott is that it's almost like the Fleetwood situation where he came out, at, you know, and, he, and you could come out cold, but then you could come out hot. The guys like Berger who came off the break and, you know, the first events back, they, they came out no problem. So I'm not sure what Scott's been up to. He's definitely been at the course. I already saw some stuff on social media around him being there and practicing. Doesn't mean he's playing well or anything like that, not getting enough information as far as that's concerned. But the thing about Scott is majors and his records are just so good. So again, do you want to put big money behind him at something like the Mega? I don't know, but I'll definitely have him in the GP people. I think it, you know at 7,800, fair price. We know he's got the upside as approach game, long, long irons, all this stuff. When it's on, it's on. So I like that answer. I think it'll be, you know, a very popular play, but for me, I love it. Uh, you know, 7,700 seems underpriced for what we've seen out of him. I know there's a lot of other names here, like a guy like Fleetwood would stand out in that sense, but just haven't seen enough versus answer. Another good week last week, uh, good results in the majors that he's played. He's only played two so far, and I think it's like a 39th and a 16th. Like he's got, you know, a long time ahead of him, but this is an event where you could see it pop. And we just really want at 7,700, we, got, we want these guys to make cuts and then have the ability to go low on the weekend and have some of that upside. I think, again, Puts it in the fairway, can hit greens, all the stuff that goes with it. When he starts getting the putter hot, look out, right, at 7,700. Uh, and then I'll just go a couple more and, and then let you take from the, the top end of the 7,500. But I'll still play Spieth at 7,700. People might forget a couple things, you know, narrative again. But uh, he's actually gained on approach his last couple events out. He is looking better. If he makes the cut, you're going to get that upside. Even in his drought of his downswing, whatever you want to call it, he was still making cuts in majors and still contending in majors. The PGA Championship is what he needs for the career Grand Slam. So I expect him to show up. He sees his boy, JT, his childhood, you know, back and forth friend as far as who's going to get these results, who's going to get these majors, who's going to get these numbers. He just saw JT win again. He's going to bring his best. Whether it works out or not, that's why it's, you know, a risky play. But at 7,700 in GPPs, definitely going to play some speed. I think Phil and Fleetwood could get a little popularity, but I'm going to go around them to round out this range with Sergio, Long-term, upside, majors, everything that goes with it. You know, off the tee, approach, all that he's got. And then Louis Oosthuizen, one quick rant on this, and then I'll flip it to you, Kenny. It's just, it's insane what he's been doing, and just people still won't play him. Like last week, all four under 70, right in the mix. Nobody wants to play him. His majors, I think he's like 23 of the last 25 made cuts and has obviously seconds, a win at the Open many years back. But I'm just like, it's not about that. It's the seconds, the contending all that stuff at 7,600, it's a little bit risky, but it's not really that much more risky than someone like a Jason Day, and it actually comes at a cheaper cost. So I'll still play Louis Tazen. I've been playing him a lot last couple of weeks out, so no one's going to go back to him. They just never do, no matter what he does. What's your take on Usti? And then just back up through the range, going up back up to 7,900. 
I think you made the point of Usti. I'm definitely going to play him, and I'm definitely going to play Sergio as well. Uh, Tita Green, always solid, really good off the tee, good around the greens, long enough uh, for this course as well. I mean, 14th in driving distance, you know, uh, in this field in the last 24 rounds. And, and, and you know, I, and he doesn't hit as many fairways as I would like, but I do like that his off the, his around the green game is so solid that he can make up for it. And, of course, a major winner before on bent. Uh, so uh, maybe not as uh, wide open off the tee as Augusta. But uh, I do like Sergio and I do like Usi. But I'm going to go with my two final cash game cornerstones uh, in this range. And the first one you talked about pretty well. It's going to be Abe Answer. Uh, it's almost a throwback to last week, these two. And I'm going to stick with them. Um, Abraham Answer, again, good iron game. Hits a lot of fairways. Really good on par fours. Really good off the tee. Uh, tee to green, solid. Uh, so I like Abe. Um, he makes a lot of cuts. The thing is, if you look at his approach uh, for the last, you know, four or five events, the reason why he's probably not as high on your models is because he lost like eight strokes at the Memorial. Outside of that, he's been really, really good with his approaches. Like if you take away the Memorial, he's top 20, top 15 with his iron game in this field, uh, probably since the restart. So, um, you know, you add that to the amount of fairways that he hits, Abe just seems like a perfect cash cornerstone for me. And again, I'm going back to the chesticle over here. Mr. Chesticle Reedy uh, down here at 7,400. You know, people forget, I mean, he was in contention last year at the U.S. Open. It's not like these uh, these majors are too much for him. Uh, if I remember, I think he was like close to the lead going into the weekend um, at one of these U.S. Opens, uh, either last year or the year before, iron game strong. Again, good iron game. Hits a lot of fairways, decent from long irons. I think he's, you know, top 25 from 175 to 200. Inside the top 40, uh, over 200 plus in the last 24 rounds in this field. So my four cash game cornerstones this week is going to be Justin Thomas at 11,300, Morikawa at 8,800, Answer at 7,700, Reavy at 7,400. Now, even with Justin Thomas up top, this still leaves you $15,000 to round out the other two spots in your lineup. Other guys I like in the seven carry range. I'm going back to Woodland. You know, he saw this course a bunch. I mean, I know it was a little bit different than what he was used to, than what we're seeing this week, but he played, what, five or six rounds uh, at the 2015 match play when he went to the finals and lost to Rory, uh, I think, in the finals. Uh, so I, I do like him. You know, iron game, always strong. Uh, you know, he's long enough, even though his driving distance doesn't really say it. He plays a lot of less than driver, and he's still pretty good uh, less than driver. And you're probably going to see him do that because he is long enough to go with a three-wood on a lot of these holes. And I, I guess the ground board says there's not much roll in the fairway. So maybe he'll go driver heavy. We'll see how that goes. But I do like Woodland. Um, other guys down below, Shane Lowry, especially if the wind picks up. He had a really good showing last week. Uh, really, really good with his long irons. He's fourth in the field in proximity from 200-plus probably since the last 24 rounds. So right around since the restart happened, he's been really, really good. He's always been a good longer iron player, good in the wind, good around the greens. So I like Shane Lowry. Uh, I might go – I think I'm going back to, to Leishman. Uh, you know, I mean, again uh, – it's something about the wind and this type of course. Uh, I, I think he's won in California before. Didn't he win Riviera or Torrey Pines? One of the two uh, in there at 7,500. I think it's a really good price for the upside he might have, but he might kill you too. So, so be, be warned uh, about Leash down there. Other guys, 
I'm going with Henrik Stetson. That one stat from last week. Stetson parred 62 of the 72 holes he played last week. 62 of the 70. If he does that this week, he might contend. You know what I'm saying? With, with, with as hard as this course looks like it's going to play, 62 pars in 70, as long as he doesn't double bogey every other hole, I, I mean, that could possibly work this week. So I do like Henrik. Uh, he got a little bit of the, of the of the cobwebs out last week. Uh, so I like him at this price, um, former major winner. Um, other guys, you know, I'll, probably, my, I'll take a look at Kisner. I'll take a look at Cameron Champ. Uh, as well. Who do you like in this lower range? Yeah, at least when you just talked about, just to quickly hit on that 7,500 range rate quick, and I was surprised you didn't mention Casey. You don't want to go back to the Casey well? No. No. You're over? <laughs> okay. No. I thought, no. hey, that's the, talk, that's the talk of the town right now. Who's going to go back to Casey? But yeah, uh, Leishman it was. He won Farmers, right? So, you know, Torrey Pines, that's a, a correlation course, so to speak, and makes sense. 7,500, do like him. Lowry's another guy who you mentioned like him there. It's kind of like Kucher and Casey are the boring plays, and Leishman and Lowry are sort of the fun upside plays. So could see going with them. Really like Neiman at 7,300. He had a great weekend. People might forget about him, but, yeah, he had, a, had an awesome weekend at the WGC. Stats line up long-term, short-term, pretty much everything as far as, you know, all that stuff is concerned. And I like him for the being able to make the – The one thing ahead. about Neiman, I will say, one of the lowest ball flights on tour. Yeah, we'll see if that we let you have your apex height moment here. We're we're bringing the apex height back. No, you Uh, are one of what I am. You're right. You're right. I am bringing the apex height back. One of the lowest ball flights on tour. So we'll see how that plays out. If if you know these these greens are really this firm, we'll see. I'm not on because of that, but we'll we'll see. One one of the best from 175 to 200. One of the best from 200 plus T to green approach. Birdies are better. Anything you get the greens and regulation, all this stuff really lines up and had a great weekend at the WGC. So I'll certainly still be in on Neiman uh, going down. English gets a little love. Just going to rattle a few off English Wallace, two guys that I think could definitely show up. They've you know shown up in bigger events before have the stats to go with it. Again, like you said, Wallace has been playing some good golf lately. English is someone we were all on. He's been hit or miss lately. So GPPs only as far as, you know, large fields, things like that for me. But I, I think other people will use him in their main lineup just because he's a, a sort of a good play down at 7,200. And then to round up the 7Ks, I got Nah and Connors just as those guys. But again, now talking about how the course will be a little bit longer, all that sort of stuff, it does worry me some with a guy like Nah more than a guy like Connors for just the ability. But I, I know we've been in this spot before, said that about Kevin Nah, and then had him come out and win an event or be right in the mix. So uh, interesting one there. The, the last thing was too, you mentioned the, Reavy thing. I forgot to go back to that one, Kenny. Great call because not only did he crush it last week, tee to green and on approach, but not be able to putt and still was in the mix. But he's got a third at the U.S. Open in the most recent major he's played that you talked about. And then before that, he only played in the two PGAs and he finished 12th and 14th in those events. So pretty, pretty interesting for a guy at 7,400. I think that's a good play as well that you already hit on. That sounds good. Let's move to the 6K range, Tampa. Why don't you go ahead and take it away? Yeah, not much. That's why I asked you earlier, what's your play this week? But like you said, luckily for the Cash Game Cornerstones, you left behind 15,000. So there's a lot of ways to still avoid this range, I guess. Oh, man, it's really tough. You know, if Schwab can continue the ball striking from last week, you know, Snedeker, if there's any of that pole that shows up. Like These are just pure, dark, upside-type plays. Lucas Glover would be one that stands out, 6,700. We've been following him a lot lately, looking for, you know, those irons to shine again and come back. We've seen him, you know, U.S. Open and anything like that where we've had him do well before. That's sort of a spot you could get back on him at 6,700. You want super short-term, you Mackenzie Hughes, 
plays you know par fours quite well. We've seen that tougher courses, even go back to the Honda. We liked them last week again, not terrible. Another tough course. So you can go back on that. And then really you're just taking darts down here. And, and there's not a lot I like. I guess some of the ones that would stand out down like at 6,200, Tyler Duncan, we've liked him at more expensive prices, much tougher field, but you go back for 6,200, I'll play some of him in GBPs. What about yourself down in this range? There's a few guys I do like in this range. I'll start out with Charles Schwartzel, who's coming off one of his best finishes on tour the last time out. Former major winner. I mean, the stats aren't going to do anything for him. They're not great. But just a gut play uh, about Charles. Uh, I like Brendan Steele. Uh, a couple of top 15s in his last three events. Really good on long par force really good from 200 plus again the iron game is usually one of his strengths um other guys that i do like down here i know brad might not like this but i'll play a little keegan uh on here there is some talk that you know guys who hit a nice little draw off the tee can have a little, little bit of an advantage uh he does hit that draw off the tee again solid iron player solid tee to green uh we'll see what happens uh with him it's always uh, a mystery when it comes to keegan i do like your lucas glover call down here russell henley is a guy that i will play uh it's been the best iron player since the restart uh all, all out here it's just he can't putt worth a shit and the, the issue is he used to be one of the better putters on tour like five six years ago he's like one of the best uh, i don't know what's going on with his putting if it's all in his head but if he can get one week back where he can he can get those putts down like he did five six years ago i mean this would be a great place for him to do it jim Furt coming off a win last week i know he's short i know it's, it's going to be a little bit of a disadvantage there but he does hit a ton of fairways um and i think um if I remember, he was up here at Olympic uh, before, uh, at Olympic, which is right across the street uh, in this in the last U.S. Open. I could be wrong about that, but I think he was pretty high up there. GMAC, if the wind goes up, uh, I, I like him a, a little bit. And, uh, you know, that's probably going to be about it. I'll play – I'll try and find a couple of these lower guys. I do like your Tyler Duncan down there. But, I mean, other than that, there's not much that I like to see in this lower end. And you're going to get a lot of these PGA, uh, these PGA professionals out there and you can just knock those out of the, out of the list on those. Um, anyone we missed there, Tambo? No, I'm just more curious. Do you know if Keegan's draws, do they come in high or do they come in low as far as Apex is <laughs> I, got, I, I didn't look at that. I didn't look at that. So okay. I, I'm not sure. I'm not All sure. Right. All right. Well, we'll see how that goes. It's Demon <laughs> versus Day. That, that's the way, that's what it is. Because those are the two guys that I really looked at when it came to the hype. You know, I know Day hits it far. Hits it high. I know Neiman hits it low. So uh, there you go. That's really as far <laughs> as I went with the apex height uh, this week. So all right. So uh, let's get to our bets for the week. Uh, go ahead and start your card there, Tambo. Yeah, it's a it's an old card, right? It's a new card, old card. So you know, there's a few of the same good numbers that everybody seems to have because we do pick up you know major bets. You pick them up all throughout the year, right? I actually don't have a great card, but uh, you know, and it's probably dead because one of these guys at the top is winning. So I have to figure that out. As the week goes on, see if I can find some doubles or something that I like. But, you know, to come prepared, I got what I got here. So uh, these first three of six are all each way to T8 because my book will give me T8 when we bet them today or closer to. So I took uh, Fleetwood 45 to one with the each way top eight. I took Woodland 50 to one with the each way top eight. I got Woodland money still cooking, so I can't lose on that one. And then Adam Scott 55 to one each way with the top eight, kind of like that. Some people had that number at a much worse number from, from back before. So, you know, I'll take that with a, a decent number here. Or even if they had it at 60, it wasn't much worse. The longer odds I got from before that I really can't see any of these guys winning because just too many people have them. But it did happen 
that one time with Woodland, as, as was aforementioned there, with the, the U.S. Open win that I had on him. But Hatton, these are all T5 each way because that's all you can get when you do it back then. Hatton, 100 to 1, each way top five. Hovland, 125, the same. And then Sung JM, I missed the 140, but I still got it at 125. So these are like the popular three bets that everyone picked up back in the day. What do you got for this week, Kenny? I got three short odds and three medium to medium odds. I'm not really going deep in here because I don't think anyone deep is going to win. Uh, so I do like Kepka. I'm, I'm going with the two studs up top. Uh, I know that's weird to bet that way, but I just feel like Kepka or JT is going to win this thing. So I'm betting both. Uh, so I'm going Kepka 10 to 1. I got JT at 11 to 1 last week. Again, I said I'm doing Xander 20 to 1 since I'm not playing him in um, – in uh in DFS and then my three longer shots are going to be uh burger at 50 to 1 uh answer at 80 to 1 and Reavy at 100 to 1 so that's what I'm going with it's going to be uh, a little bit more bets the answer I got 80 to 1 like I, I don't know what he is now I think he's probably still 80 to 1 but I, I made that bet like in January or February or something like that a long time ago uh, yeah. So, so, so I got, I got those six guys, three short odds. I know it's sort of cheap going that way, but you know, the whole aspect of betting is to win. And I think Kepka JT is going to win. So those are the two guys that I'm betting. I'm putting both of them on there. Usually I play maybe $30. I uh, usually I'd bet probably 30 on them this week. I bet 50 on both of them uh, because I, I had a really good week last week. I won like, you know, I, I, my units 10. So I won like, 40 units last week with the bets that I won. So, so it was a really solid week. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm throwing a little bit more out there uh, for the uh, PGA championship. Now one and done who you got. Yeah. I ended up using JT last week. I had him still cooking. So that worked. Oh, out nice. Well. Yeah. That nice. was a, the one thing that I did hit, but it's like you hit a one and done. It doesn't really do it. It could pay off for the year segment or something, but yeah, we'll see. So uh, it's you know, a this new week segment it's, started last week, right? So I mean, it's a good way to start. It right? is a, it is good, yeah. And I and I ended up using the Grillo chalk for the other. I should have just used Schwab, but I didn't, so it's fine. Grillo was still up there a little bit, so it wasn't the worst week as far as that was concerned. This week, I think if you still got JT, you got to use him. I, like I said, I had him. If you don't, is what it is. But then JT Brooks, even Rory, Rom, any of those big dogs, this is the time to use them. The money's up there. It's you're getting there to the down to the nitty gritty. So I'd make sure I'm using those guys up. If not, my backups would be. Uh, you know, X can't lay types, like you mentioned, you know, with X with your bet, same sort of thing. Use them in one and done if you want. But, you know, I like those as sort of the backup plays. All right. I'm going Kepka because I don't have JT left. Yeah. So Kepka, I'm going one and done. I'll be chalk. I don't give a fuck. I think JT or Kepka is going to win. So that's the way it's going to go for me. All right. Um, do we miss anything? No, I think that's good, man. Excited. It's another major week. We'll get back into it and hopefully have a huge week for the community and for everybody. So it's going to be a good one. All right, you can find me on Twitter at KendoVT. You can also find my article at gupscorner.com. I'm going to have my course preview this week. I have trends. I have stats to look for. Uh, I add my favorite cash plays later on. I will add my favorite bet of the week. I am five for eight uh, so far since the restart in my favorite bet. And two of the misses I had was Danny Willett a couple weeks ago where he was like eighth and then bogey and lost shot plus five on the last five holes to, yeah. to get out of the top 20 i also had connor's about a month and a half ago finished 21st i had him as a top 20 bet so it's been going pretty damn well and at the times i've lied varner 
one time when he missed the cut. So that was like the one shitty one. But all the other ones were sweat worthy. So you go to gubscorner.com and I'll be on there and also find me on Twitter, Tambo. Yeah, Twitter at Totec and Tambo. You guys know where to find me. Like I said, look out. One of Kenny or I will post the updated numbers once we get them as far as the cut line is concerned. And then at Roto Grinders, we brought up at the start of the show, bring it up again, but rotogrinders.com slash DGen. Use, uh, use that link, go over there, get 10 bucks off for the first month or 50 bucks off for the annual. You can see all my stuff. I'll have my Tuesday show with Notorious and STL cards where we're going through everything again, sort of a, a second look and find out some more information overnight and tomorrow morning. And then Wednesday, I'll be doing the MME pool. Really, really it just grind it down to where I'm at as far as my final plays go and give some you know, information away as far as where I'm at with my main lineup as well. So hit me up there if you guys have any other questions. Otherwise, have a good week. All right. It's a major, the first major in over a year. You know you're ready. It's going to be a big week. Let's win some motherfucking money. DGen Nation. In a rapidly changing world, people wonder more and more about where their food comes from and how it was grown. The farmers who grow America's corn understand how important this is and want to share the stories from our farms of how we are working to grow an incredible crop that can be an answer to sustainability questions and is grown by men and women who value the air, water, soil, and our natural resources just like you. To find out more about how corn farmers are working to feed and fuel a vibrant economy and healthy planet, visit ncga.com. NCGA, a commitment to the future. Chesterbrook Academy Preschool is here to help your child move forward academically, socially, and emotionally. You'll be amazed at the progress they'll make in our classrooms. They'll be ready for kindergarten and make lots of new friends in the process. So they'll be happy, and in turn, so will you. Contact us today to schedule an open house appointment starting at 10 a.m. on Saturday, July 31st. Visit chesterbrookacademy.com to find a preschool near you. That's chesterbrookacademy.com.